This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. One, two, three, four. Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Batagna alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins. And we are back from the weekend. A lot of spring games over the weekend in college football, we'll talk a little bit about Colorado. A lot going on in Boulder right now. We'll get to Lincoln, Nebraska as well. Talk about Matt Rule, his first spring game. And then we'll talk about Notre Dame, Oregon State, Alabama, Oklahoma. A lot of freshmen turning some heads in those spring games over the weekend. And then recap some news, not only on the recruiting and the high school front, but the transfer portal front as well. Busy week in college football for a late April weekend. Andrew. A lot to jump into, uh, and and we're going to jump into Colorado here in a minute, my friend. But uh, let's exchange some pleasantries. How are we doing, my guy? I'm doing good. I don't know if I'm doing as good as producer Lance. Uh, (laughs) You know, just talking with him before we hit uh, start on the podcast. I think he had to get some stuff off the chest. I think think we did a good job of just letting him let it flow. Uh, We've all been there. Yeah. We've all been there. And and to Lance's credit, sometimes we got to be – or let me let me rephrase that. Sometimes Lance has to be the sounding board for us. I would say that's ninety eight percent of the time we get on a call, and it's nine o'clock Eastern time, and we don't really start recording the podcast probably until ten to fifteen minutes later because everybody's got to air their grievances per se. And you know what? Today was Lance's day. Put it on us, Lance. We're here for you, Bubba. <laughs> but uh, Drew, let's let's talk a little bit about Colorado. That's that's the story in the news cycle right now. And if you have not been keeping up with the Joneses over the weekend in college football, Deion Sanders, head coach of Colorado, they were in the news all weekend in this spring game uh, that for Colorado was so relevant, 42,000 people in attendance. And it wasn't like it was a perfect weather day either. I mean, we're talking about some snow, uh, but since Saturday, Andrew, 17 scholarship players have entered the portal. Actually, let me let me fact check that. We have 17 players who have entered the portal. I'm not sure if they're all scholarship players, but uh, there's a good breakdown over on the Colorado site in the 24-7 sports network of what's going on over there. I believe that number is 68 right now, full scholarship players, uh, not currently on the roster, but I think over the summer, that's where Colorado will be in terms of roster uh, management. Remember, only 85 scholarships are you able to have on a roster. So right now, Colorado, 17 under that number. Andrew, I mean, I guess, you know, from a big picture standpoint, we kind of knew that this was going to be a roster purge when Deion Sanders showed up to Boulder and he said, you know what, I'm going to bring my Louie. He is not shied away from... I guess, expectations at Colorado and what the standard is going to be in terms of what he wants in that locker room, not only from a character standpoint, but from a talent standpoint. 
how do you how do you react to everything that's transpired over the last 48 hours? Well, I, I think I got to preface it with this, right? I had a lot of people kind of in my life that know what I do. And they were just texting me about, hey, you watching the Colorado spring game? It's like people that you're like, why would this person be invested? But that's the prime effect, right? They're on ESPN. Chris Fowler's on the field, right? All eyes are, are tuned in. And I'm sure you saw the uh, video, or I want to say it was a graphic, but it was a video of Colorado's spring game in 2022 and, and then in 2023, right? It was like a panorama of the stadium and it's completely different. And, you know, I've gotten more text since then because Monday's headlines were dominated by, hey, look, all these guys are in the transfer portal from Colorado. And, you know, I think this is a, a roster management podcast or, or roster management friendly. I think this is going to go two ways. It's either going to go really bad or it's eventually going to be really good. I, that's just kind of how I see it. And you mentioned that breakdown of the guys going in, the guys going out. I didn't get to watch the full Colorado spring game. I was watching some as much as I could last night. And my big takeaway is like, I think they're going to be able to score points, but I would be very, very concerned about that defense. And I don't know how much of it you saw Cooper. I mean, Travis Hunter had a touchdown catch. Um, Shadur Sanders. I, I, I think he, you know, only missed on two passes, but I thought the DBs, the back seven, uh, even the defensive line, like I didn't think that was up to par. Um, so, you know, where does this experiment kind of go? Because we've never seen a roster turnover like this ever before. I mean, it's essentially like they're hitting reboot on the whole program. All these new faces in, guys are leaving. Um, and I'm just fascinated to see how it's going to play out because, uh, you know, that's a lot of new people in the locker room. And the other thing is, yes, I think offensively, like they – they're going to have some playmakers. I think when you look at the 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 transactional report, a lot of guys that have experience that have played have come in. But on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, you go up and down the list, it's like, all right, this guy missed last season with uh, injuries. This guy was out with injuries. This guy didn't live up because he was injuries. So I, I'm just I want to know what's going to happen on the defensive side of the ball, and, and that's kind of where my eyes will be. And and you need to point out that Colorado's got like a really difficult schedule in 2023. Well, let's talk ab about the roster management for a second, because, you know, I went through it this morning and our, and our guys over at Buff Stampede and the 24 seven sports network, they should be given a lot of credit because there is a lot that has happened over the last 48 hours and they're doing a really good job keeping up with it. Also, when you factor in summer arrivals, you get a look of, okay, what's this roster going to look like come this fall? Or we're going to have a better idea. Now, there's not a lot of time, right? But Deion Sanders and his staff, they have to get to work over the next five days before the second transfer portal window opens. And what a blessing in disguise that is, it, that you can have this attrition and you can still have four or five days to go get go out, take your you shopping bag. You mean closes, right? It closes. Closes. I'm, I'm sorry. Yep. April 15th to April 30th. Good patag flag there. Drew, I have, I have so many thoughts because we've talked about this with Blake Baker. We also talked about this internally as well. The significance of when you have your spring game during the second transfer portal window. And we talked about, hey, it's, it's probably best to have this two to three weeks before the second transfer portal window opens 
That way you can have your exit interviews individually with each player on your team. You can get a pulse for who's leaning out, who you're going to be able to retain, and then you can have a strategy over that two-week period of what you need to address. Right now, Deion Sanders, he's on the defensive. And I get it. I Listen, I, I know from a mentality standpoint, it's like, let's purge it. Let's flip it. I understand that. And, and listen, in the grand scheme, you're really only going to play with 53 to 57 players a year. It's more similar to an NFL roster than it is those 85. You're going to travel with 75. 55 to 57 are going to be the guys that you rely on week in and week out. Now, for Colorado in year one, it could be different. Here is where the alarms go off for me if I'm a Colorado fan. Right now, we have four defensive linemen projected on the summer roster, only seven edge, right? So if you're a 3-4 or a 4-3, that number needs to be closer to 21. We're talking about premium positions in the second transfer portal window. So now you are a buyer in a secondary market where everybody's looking for the same thing. Go to the secondary, six corners, five safeties. Depending on how many defensive backs you're going to play. And in today's college football, you're typically going to have five on the field. We carried 17 at Washington. That was a premium position for us. So that is another position they have to add bodies. We're talking about able bodies and depth. Outside of that, everything everything else is okay. It's not great, but it's okay. You said it. Defensive line and secondary. <laughs> 11, 11 bodies to yeah. get through an entire season. I You're going to have to have guys playing two ways. Well, here's the other thing on the roster purge, kind of tear it down all the way to the, the studs and, and build it back up. You know, I've been reading like a lot of takes on social media from Colorado fans saying, hey, like we were one of the worst power five football teams ever, right? I think they were 118th and in offense and and one twentieth and in total defense, so I I agree with that. But you know some of the players they've also brought in who are the quote unquote new stars, like a guy like Jimmy Horn, who comes over and, and I'm a Jimmy Horn fan. I have been since he was playing his football at Sanford Seminole. He was a role player on a USF team that went one and eleven. You know, like it's not like all these guys are coming in um, and, and they're coming from Georgia and Alabama. Right. They got some guys. Right. And, 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 and Prime has brought some of the luggage from Jackson State, which had a magical season. So got to see them up close in person at the Orange Blossom Classic against Florida A&M early last season. Um, but I just think there's going to be some some major growing pains unless I have this read completely the wrong way. I mean, Cooper, you've been on the other side and. Again, we talked with Blake Baker about it, but, you know, it's just a lot of fresh faces in there. Um, and again, the schedule is not it's not it's not fun. It's 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 a lot of change to go through in year one. The other thing I will say, let me go back. Let me rephrase that. All right. So when I said 21 players, right, I was thinking about the first and second level of the defense defensive line. That number is four 
I think ideally you probably want that around eight or nine. All right, at the edge spot, they're actually okay. They got seven guys there. Taylor Upshaw is a guy that came over from Michigan, played with his hand in the dirt. Probably what they'll say is, "Hey, we're going to have we're going to have to mix and match some guys. Maybe play some guys out of the position." But and they then, do need they they do need more bodies up front. And then Jordan Dominique, he comes in from Arkansas. I think he was third in the SEC in sacks last season. Um, and he's originally from started off at Georgia Tech, so he's kind of bounced around. Um, I don't know. All right, let me ask you this because I think it's kind of relevant here. And there's some some talk I've seen. Cormani McLean, five star corner. You know, there's rumors that he might play wide receiver. Travis Hunter's getting run at wide receiver. I don't know. When I look at the roster, I'm like, man, these guys need to play defense. Am I am I wrong there? No, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, especially when you look at the secondary, right? I mean, we're we're looking at those numbers. The only senior defensive back is Nigel Bethel. Right. There's not a lot of experience. I mean, Na- you got you Nigel, got... Nigel, Nigel Bethel was ran out of Miami. It was like a late take that uh, I don't know. I was shocked when I saw he was on the roster and he was still there. I was like, whoa. Six corners. And let me say this. Travis Hunter is included in that number already. In that projection, right? So it's talking about a guy going potentially two ways. I don't have him included on on the uh, on the offensive side of the ball at the receiver position, but it might just be one of those years. Hey, we got to piece it together. Yeah, and let's see if we can generate enough buzz, put a good enough product on the field that we can carry momentum into the offseason next year, especially in the transfer portal. Now, the one thing that he does have to sell there opportunity yeah so we'll, we'll see how they close it could be a, a busy couple days for for Deion sanders and in, in colorado on the recruiting trail as well but drew i mean they also lost a commitment from jawan johnson number 27 athlete in 2024 was at the spring game he's now trending to lsu he it just it's like the timing of everything just kind of feel you wonder, like, did something happen, or is this just like a great coincidence? Yeah, it's it's pretty rare to see a kid visit a school and then decommit, you know, within within those first few days. I, you know, and this is all speculation, but like, did, was something said to him by someone there? You know, did he think it was too much of a show? And Jawan Johnson's a kid from Louisiana, right? I, I think anytime the Tigers turn up the heat on an in-state guy, you know, they're normally going to get that guy. I just, I felt it was weird that, you know. I think that was, I think you made the point. I mean, I think it's inevitable, right? Like uh, Lafayette, Christian, Louisiana, LSU starting to turn up the heat, make them a priority. Timing of it, a little bit off to me, coming off a visit from Colorado, but all right, Drew, you, you raised this question in the rundown. I think it's a good one. And these two play each other week two. Yeah. I think that's – I think circle this as early like one of the games of the year. Who are you feeling better about post-spring, Colorado and Deion Sanders or Nebraska and Matt Rule? And let me, let me add a little bit of context to this. Next three to four years, let's call it that. But what you've seen – in a short amount of time out of both programs, which one are you buying stock in right now? I think Nebraska, right? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the safer play. Yeah. Um, 
I just think, all right, two first-year hires, or new hires, I should say. Both these guys obviously have experience as head coaches, um, both in spring football on the same weekend. Uh, and we can we can dive a little bit into Nebraska's spring game, how that went, but they seem to be a little bit more stable right now, I, I think, um, where I have plenty of questions about Colorado because I don't, again, I don't, I think they are in uncharted waters in terms of how this is going to play out. And it could, Colorado could be an example for rebuilds moving forward. But I, I just, I got some questions, man. And, and, and let's point out the Colorado schedule. This is the first five games, right? So at TCU, that's the opening weekend. Nebraska at home week two. Colorado State at home after that. At Oregon. And then USC comes to town. I mean, that is... You could be looking at one and four. That's a tough four-game stretch. Five-game stretch, excuse me. Yeah, and if you – I mean, what is best-case scenario there? Two and three? Yeah. All right, TCU is going to be a tough I mean, I, I don't I, I don't know how much of that spring game you watch, but I, I cannot see that, that, that back seven slowing down Caleb Williams and USC's offense. That's going to be tough. You got Bo Nix, too. You know, we're going to talk about Jeff Sims here in, in a few minutes. So Colorado, Drew, I think we said it. I mean, it's not like we are straying from the mainstream narrative here, but Colorado is certainly like the most intriguing team in college football. It kind of feels like a little bit of a reality show right now. I'm not even saying that as a negative. You know, it's just all eyes on Colorado and we haven't seen this much roster turnover uh, in year one, and we'll see what happens with them. So certainly keep an eye on on Colorado and the Buffaloes. Uh, but, Drew, let's talk about Matt Rule in Nebraska. They played their spring game on Saturday in front of 66,000. And, and I should say this, LSU played their spring game. Alabama played their spring game. A handful of other programs played their spring game. The only one with the result of this 17 players jumping in the portal and it's, it's going to happen to everybody but to the degree of 17 players we haven't seen that before i, I don't know like we're going back to it but it has to do with met you feel like it has to do with messaging right from Deion sanders that's saying like he i i get the feel he's being very open and honest about what the expectations are and if you're not meeting that standard for what he's looking for, I don't think he has any – like, I don't think this bothers him. I don't think he's looking at the roster saying, hey, we're going to have 68 scholarship players. I think he's saying, this is a necessary evil. I'd rather I'd rather pull the Band-Aid off now. Yeah, and we touched on it at one point recently about how Colorado, right, they were only giving numbers to certain guys. You would that They were practicing without numbers, I think – Last I saw, 12, 13 guys had numbers. And really only one of the guys that had entered the portal is a guy who had earned his number from that coaching staff. So, you know, I think most of these guys, they wanted out. But I do think there's maybe a handful that Colorado probably wish had stayed. So, again, that, that kind of goes back to my, like, is there is there a vibe? Or, you know, is there private conversations between some of those players saying, you know what, uh, this ain't for me. Yeah, I don't, I don't really get the feeling that Deion Sanders is the type of coach to be like, all right, I'll meet you in the middle. Yeah. 
you know, so I, I think he probably drew the line in the sand. And, you know, you've seen a couple of people say, like you said, all right, I'm going to go look at other options. All right, Nebraska. Spring game, Saturday, 66,000 fans. You don't even flinch when you hear that. One of the best fan bases in all of college football. Quarterback battle going on. Jeff Sims, Casey Thompson, who battled last year through injury. Jeff Sims, 9 of 13, 138 yards. No TDs, no INTs either. Had a rushing touchdown. Also, Drew, top 247 standout. Prince Will, you man, Milan alert. Had a sack, three tackles for a loss. He's up to 238 pounds. Rule was uh, very complimentary of him. Also, Cameron Limhart out of IMG as well, a guy that you and I kind of went back and forth. Both positive. I think we just kind of wondered what his role would be on Saturdays. He had four tackles. Eric Gilbert, former five-star. He's had a roller coaster career, started his career at LSU, transferred to Georgia, has had issues staying on the field. Had a couple drops on Saturday's spring game. We know he's talented. It's just about him just being ready ready and available. We've talked a lot about Colorado's schedule. Nebraska at Minnesota on a Thursday night. I think that's going to be a very uh, tuned-in game uh, from, from the audience there. Colorado week two on the road. Then they have Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech. I'll tell you what, I – those aren't those aren't just like cupcake games. Yeah. Well, for, Nebraska for, lost to Georgia Southern last year at home. Right. Right. For uh Clay Helton, man, from the dead. And then you got uh Michigan at Illinois, bye week, Northwestern, Purdue, travel to East Lansing, Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa. So we'll see. I I, I could see Nebraska kind of like grinding out a postseason bid next year. I got some takes on Nebraska, and I, uh, <laughs> good listener of the show, texted us in because I think me and you have been a little harsh on the Nebraska quarterback outlook situation moving forward. And they pointed out, and I thought this was an excellent kind of nugget Nebraska, for we don't know long term picture of that quarterback room, right? Dylan Rayola, he still hasn't made a decision, but. Doesn't seem like it's going to be Nebraska. Dylan Rayola, number one overall player, number one quarterback, probably going to end up at Georgia or USC. Those have kind of been the two teams with the most buzz, you know, behind the scenes as of late. Uh, but look at what they ha- they do have on the roster. You, you brought up Jeff Sims, Casey Thompson. He doesn't play in the spring game, but both of those guys have started over twenty games, twenty games on Saturdays, and. I started doing the exercise. Hey, is there any other quarterback room in the country where they have two guys that have started that many games? And I haven't come up with an answer yet. I think the only one that would challenge that is probably Ole Miss, right? Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, Walker Howard's played a little bit as well. You're saying, all right, run that run that back for me. So you're saying both of those guys have started. Jeff Sims, yep. Casey, Casey Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. But the 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 total between how how much of each of them started? Both those guys have started double digit games. I think got it. Got close it. to so 20. So you're saying okay, combined 20 between the two of them. No, I think 20 each. 20 each. Got it. Yeah, I think you'd have a hard time finding that anywhere else. Um, you know, so I, I just thought that was interesting. I Jeff Sims, guy again, saw him play in high school, saw him a bunch, man. And you know, it was a windy day, nine nine for 13. I don't think that's going to fire anyone up 
too much, but it seems like he, he made some plays and I don't know. I, I just, just reading about this has me a little more bullish on Nebraska right now than what we talked about with Colorado um, to see Prince will coming out and, and performing and, and getting some buzz from rule. I, I get excited about that. I mean, for those unfamiliar Prince will, where do you finish for us, Cooper? Uh, number twenty-three edge rusher, uh, and a very and a very talented edge class. I will say this, Drew. I I never fully understood his recruitment. Like it never seemed like there was a team to beat, and then all of a sudden, rule comes in. It seems like an ideal fit, and then they ink him. But you know, he showed up in San Antonio. I think he was limited that week. But he had some flashes. We really liked him on tape. But you would think a guy like this would have had more attention from the schools like Baylor, TCU, schools in that Big 12 footprint. It just never really happened. And then Rule comes in at the 11th hour, really late November, makes him a priority. And here he is. I mean, to me, we've talked about him and and more so in, in January around San Antonio and the All-American Bowl. He is an, an exact example of if Matt Rule is going to be successful at Nebraska, these are the type of players that he's going to hit on and, and the ones that he has a record of hitting on at Baylor. Traits, right? And it's but but it it's evident. You know, you're looking at a guy that um, you know could has shown the ability to play with his hand in the ground in a three-point stance, but you can also stand him up as well. He's scheme versatile. He has an elite first step. He can bend. It's a little bit of coaching. It's a little bit of time. It's a little bit of uh, development in terms of the strength conditioning department as well. But, I mean, you said it. He's already up to 238 pounds, right? So a little bit ahead of schedule. Those are the guys, like, if they're going to take the next step. And I would say, Drew, the – when you talk about Colorado and Nebraska, the only thing that would give me a little bit of hesitancy between the two is the conferences. You know, I I, I think it's going to be tough sledding for Matt Rule in, in, in the Big Ten for the first one to two years. And then I think year three, you, you'll start to see the Cornhuskers hit the ground running. I think Colorado's got yeah, what they're going through right now is tough, but I also think their ability to attract top-end talent is going to be something to watch out for, too. Prince Will, you measured him at the All-American Bowl, and I think <laughs> this is this is a this is a fun exercise for listeners of the podcast, right? We always talk about, hey, growth potential. What's this guy going to look like once he is enrolled on campus, not only training with in a college weight room where you have a ton of resources, right? You got graduate assistants per position groups here in a developmental room. He was 228 in San Antonio, right? That would have been last week or, or first week of January. And I said, what, he's up to 238 pounds. Correct. You, assume, you, you know, all right, only 10 pounds, but I'm, I'm assuming his, his muscle mass is, has gone up, right? You know, the body fats dropped down and, you know, that's only after a, a few months on campus. I mean, he, he has a chance to be an animal. So anytime we're talking about and, and any of our guests, hey, you know, what's the growth potential here? Hey, we can see him playing at this X number. This is an example of it right there. Cameron Linhart, the other guy I want to bring up. I mean, he was a fascinating evaluation, I think, last last cycle, right? By far one of the more, more unique prospects. And 
those unfamiliar with him, he had a few tackles in the game. Sounds like he too is going to be part of that front seven rotation guy who started off as a uh, he was a edge rusher up in like New York. Comes down to IMG Academy is starts off at edge rusher. Then they move him to linebacker. By the end of his senior season, he was playing you know hand in the dirt three technique in the middle for one of the top defensive lines in all of high school football. Um, and, you know, I think we kind of went back and forth on, on where to list him. I think we listed him as an edge. I can't even remember where he graded him out, uh, but he had a good week at the Under Armour All-American game, and he's making some splashes right away as well. Um, and I think that's one where a lot of schools kind of overthought him. You know, what is he, right? You know, is he, he's a tweener, but, you know, you can find spots for tweeners these days. Well, in Nebraska, they just need good football players, right? They need to raise the they need to raise the floor of their team. Different teams are on different schedules right now. Nebraska is not going to be competing for a college football playoff anytime in the next twenty four months, right? So what they need to do is they need to build it from the ground up. Cameron Linhart, if you're a team, maybe in a different position like Michigan, right in the Big Ten and in, in that footprint or one of these other blue bloods, there's probably a more significant market for you in terms of a pass rusher. Cameron Linhart for me, Drew, I, I love going through this process, especially us talking through it together because I think initially he played off ball backer, right? Yep. They moved him to edge. He kept kind of eating his way out of these positions and he was effective, but he was more of a, more built to play the run, I guess, in a, in a, as a 3-4 edge. And then ends up continuing to grow, develop into his his frame, and then you just move him down again, right? And here's a guy with a high motor, knows how to play the game, has a very good understanding of leverage, active hands. And, you know, these are the type of guys at, at Nebraska. That's how you move the needle, right, in the first 24 months. You just get guys that can play. And then at the same time, if you listen to Matt Rule in his post-spring game press conference, I mean, he talks about Cameron Limhart just kind of exemplifying what they want. A guy that's a blue-collar guy that works hard and is going to be a really good advocate for this team moving forward in, in year one under Matt Rule. You know, Drew, the other guy, just in terms of growth potential and why it's so important, on the 24-7 sports recruiting show, which you can find on – 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. We talked about Luke Schoonmaker, right? The tight end out of Hamden Hall, which if Hamden Hall is a preparatory school in Connecticut, it has just over 600 students. Luke Schoonmaker was a guy that played quarterback. He played a little bit of tight end, but was typically flexed out. He played some defense. He was 225 pounds soaking wet, like on a good day. I think he was probably closer to 220. And I remember the biggest question mark we had about him. He was somewhat narrow. We didn't know if he could put on the weight. Now they're talking about him as a potential day two, day three draft pick. He spent five years at Michigan and Ann Arbor under Ben Herbert, who I think is one of the best strength conditioning coaches in the country. NFL Combine, he checks in at 251 pounds and has a 10-foot-7 broad jump and runs 463. To me, it's it, it's all about, point being, especially when it comes back to Prince Will, that's why it's important to evaluate the athlete, 
right? Because the weight in terms of 10 to 15 to 20 to 25 pounds, that can all be added typically, right? If they have the frame to support that. So I think that's interesting. The The other reason we want to talk about that is because we've got the NFL draft coming up on Thursday, right? So, and, and another kind of peeling the curtain back, I remember conversations about Prince Will, right? And then I think I brought this point up and you're going to be like, no, I don't remember you bringing this up, but his brother is at Florida, uh, Prince Princely, right? Uh, he's, there's video of him squatting 700 pounds. Like you knew it was in the gen genetics, right? He was going to unlock some stuff. Uh, last thing on Nebraska, I, I got to ask you because I remember, I remember we, we always get editors always ask us, Hey, you guys got to highlight like transfers you like, or, or, or different, you know, little projects that get blasted out there. And I remember you highlighted Eric Gilbert kind of as a, uh, a transfer you were excited about. Uh, former five-star tight end, goes from LSU to Georgia. Now he's at Nebraska. Did I get that path right? LSU to Georgia and Nebraska? Got it right. Two drops in the game. <laughs> Sounds like it was not good. Are you, are you selling your stock on, on Eric Gilbert? Well, that I, I will say that article was – as somebody who's a part of that article, I mean, it's meant to make you uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Because at this point, there are no proven commodities of the guys that were supposed to be somewhat surefire. Eric Gilbert showed me enough in 2020, I believe it was, the, the year after LSU's national championship. COVID year, it was, a, it was an odd year. Miles Brennan was a quarterback. But there was enough there where you're like, okay, this guy has it in terms of the physical talent. And I, I truly believe that. Like NFL evaluators are, are willing to overlook a lot, especially when it comes to elite level talent. That being said, Eric Gilbert has not proven that he can be that guy in quite some time. Now, physically, what's in the body, you can't teach it which is what I go back to. He needs to get right. And, and what I mean by that is like he needs reps, he needs continuity, and he needs confidence. And in the last couple of years, I don't think he's had any of those. So, no, am I, am I surprised by that? No, absolutely not. I, I, I would be surprised if he went in there and, and played the way that he was capable of playing. For the sake of Eric Gilbert, I just hope that this situation is the right situation for him. And, you know, this is a guy at the end of the day, I, I still fully believe in his skill set. But, Andrew, as we talk about, there's so many factors that go into the evaluation process. And I'm not questioning any part of what Eric Gilbert brings to a football team, but his ability to be available, That's that's been – his biggest crux throughout his entire career. And if he can be available and he can be right and he can get his body right and he can get his mind right, then I think he can, he can get back to the player that he was in 2020. Uh, I said last thing on Nebraska, but <laughs> I, I just read this cause I was kind of going through the spring game stats, uh, Janarian boner. Um, God, man, I remember his recruitment kid out of, out of Georgia, big frame receiver, missed all of his senior season with a broken femur. Maybe it was his junior season, was committed to Georgia Tech, ends up at Nebraska. 
And I just read that Matt Rule has moved him to fullback, and I guess he looked good in the game as a fullback. So Matt Rule, man, just just always creative. Moving a moving a wide receiver to fullback, you do not see that. Um, it sounds like we have the makings of a Nebraska Texas A&M bowl game. <laughs> we got Bobby Petrino, we got Matt Rule, both of them bringing the fullback back. I love it. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Colorado, Nebraska, Drew, that that took up the first 35 minutes. Other spring games in action, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, the Irish had 14 guys out, but Sam Hartman, one of the, I would say, prize transfer acquisitions for the Irish coming over from Wake Forest, one of the best arms in the portal. I mean, if you're a Notre Dame fan, this has got to fire you up. 13 and 16, two touchdowns, rushing touchdown as well. A little bit of everything on display. And then Jaden Greathouse, four-star receiver out of Texas, Westlake. What a great day for Irish fans, as I'm sure they are ready to just shove it to me and the rest of the crew, but especially me. Jaden Greathouse, game high, 11 catches, 118 yards. Chancey Stuckey, receivers coach, quote-unquote, J.G., is just physically ready to play. No doubt about that. I mean, if if there was one of the more collegiate-ready, savvy receivers in the country, it would be Jaden Greathouse. There's no, no denying that. And I went back. I watched all 11 receptions on him. You talk about a guy that just understands football and understand. And, and to me, it seemed like Notre Dame was playing a lot of zone on, on defense, really knows how to find the soft spots. Everything was underneath. There wasn't a lot of uh, run after catch. I mean, he's going to be a safety blanket for these guys. And it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Jaden Greathouse is a freshman. He plays like a guy that's played college football for three years. Seems like Sam Hartman and him already have a nice little connection. So good to see him going. I got a quick text, quick text from our boy Tom Loy about Jaden Greathouse. Uh, he's ready to collect on our nice little personal side bet that we made. That winners and losers in Nashville. So the boys are hyped in South Bend about Jane Greathouse, Drew. Well, I knew you got a text message because I also got a text message about it from from Tom Loy saying, "Oh yeah, I already texted. Yeah, winning that bet with Cooper." Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I hit him back and I said I didn't know the twenty twenty seven NFL draft was today. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. We'll we'll talk about that later. But yes, go ahead, Drew. I, uh, the thing I go back to on Jane Greathouse, right uh, at Austin. Westlake, we didn't see him in an all-star game, right? He didn't, he didn't participate in any postseason all-star games. Um, but we're going to talk more about the NFL draft, right? Coming up this weekend. Uh, I think we're going to get into that in the next few episodes, but one of the things in my preliminary research on this wide receivers class that will be drafted and selected is a good chunk of those guys were basketball players at the prep level and they were good basketball players. And then you look at Jaden Greathouse um, as a junior averaged 13 and eight for a team that went 38 and two 
and, and made the state semifinals, um, had two 30 point scoring efforts. And then you apply knowing that to what, what we saw in the spring game. And you mentioned it, Cooper, he just always seemed to be kind of in the, in the, in the gaps in the coverage, right? He, he, he positioned himself well. And I, I think that's such an important thing with wide receivers, the spatial awareness that you can get from playing basketball. It's the one sport where you either have to go through someone or you got to go around someone and and you have to have a good feeling of what's going on around you. And I think that showed up with, with Jaden Greathouse. Like I, I noticed that in the limited clips we saw from this. And I think you also need to pr- point out, I mean, this is just a spring game. All these things we're talking about are just spring games. It's, it's It doesn't matter. You know, there's not wins and losses, but I think a very, very encouraging start for uh, the Irish. And I know Chris Hummer, our, our buddy at 24-7 Sports, I think he highlighted, all right, freshmen that can make an impact in 2023. And, and Jaden Greathouse was one of the receivers that was highlighted. It's just it, it's just a spring game, but I want to give him a lot of love. Like, if there was a critic of Jaden Greathouse, it was me. I mean, this is a guy who played very good competition, Austin Westlake. Over four years, had almost 4,000 yards receiving, 3,994 he had 51 touchdowns. I mean, you talk about a guy that knows how to play the game. The biggest the biggest knock on Jaden Greathouse was the verified speed. That was it. I'm not going to get into the the times exactly. It's not fair to him. But and then we talked about growth potential. I mean, this is a guy that I think was 219 to 222 already, so like in terms of physically ready to play, I'm not surprised by by any of that. How much room does he have to grow? How much of an athletic ceiling does he have? Those are in question. Our job is to project to the NFL draft right now. I, Marcus Freeman is not concerned about that. Neither is Jared Parker, the offensive coordinator. I'm sure they're very excited that they have a guy in a receiver room where they need people to step up that's ready to play, and that's what they got in Jaden Greathouse. So excited for him uh, in the future at Notre Dame. Andrew, Pac-12 is lit, my friend. I know, a lot of Pac-12 talk. (laughs) Pac-12 is lit. All right, let's go out to Corvallis where there goes that man again, 17-year-old Aiden Giles. Hadn't even played a game yet, but this is a guy that's – I feel like – let me preface this the right way. Scouting crush, right, for the boys, Aiden Giles. Moved him up late in the process. Got to San Antonio. We were like, okay. This guy's got a little bit more in the tank than than we thought. And I think that was more from an athletic standpoint as a runner. You get to see him move in the pocket. You get to see the mobility outside of the pocket as well. One-year production had the wrist injury as a junior, right? So the, the evaluation's a little bit muddied. And in California, pandemic spring season. Correct. A lot of different factors that that went into Aiden Childs' evaluation. The positive side of that, early enrollee for Jonathan Smith and the Beavers, he is still 17 years old. And this is a guy right now that appears to be in the thick of Oregon State's quarterback battle in year one, Drew. And if you look at the tape from this past weekend, no stats available, but it was it didn't really look that different than what we saw in San Antonio. Right. And 
Aiden Childs, right. So Oregon State's quarterback battle, right? DJ used there. That I think that was the big storyline at Oregon State. And then you read anything from that spring scrimmage or practice or whatever you want to, you know, call it. It's all about Aiden Childs and and his ability to create and make plays outside of the pocket and and keep things alive, keep his eyes down the field. I mean, he dropped an absolute dime where he's kind of evading pressure and and finds his receiver in the back of the end zone. Um, I'm just excited because we've talked about Aiden Childs on this in the in this space before. Uh, finished number 58 overall for us, number seven quarterback, and I think. I said it. I'm like, how did this guy not have a single SEC offer, right? Like, how did how did he kind of slip through the cracks? And you you mentioned the injury. Um, you know, he was in California again. The, the whole pandemic season, like, it was just weird. But man, when I saw him for the first time in San Antonio at, at uh, All American Bowl practices, I texted you. I'm like, I'm all on board. Uh, I think it, he is a it's got a loose release, um, and then in the game he made he made plays right. He 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 looked beyond comfortable. So I think this is absolutely court, Oregon State's quarterback of the future, and I think he's a a future star of the Pac-12, or he, he could be. And and we probably thought, hey, it's gonna it's gonna take some time before he's ready to go. But this is certainly a very encouraging performance from Aiden Childs. If he were in the 2024 class in terms of the quarterback arms, how many guys would you have ranked ahead of him? Maybe one or two. <laughs> one for me, Dylan Rayola. That's it, just just based off of the elite arm talent alone. I mean, his, se- just, his, uh, his senior numbers are kind of insane. 73%, 3,300 yards, ran for 940 yards and nine touchdowns. I, I, I'll never forget – he played Nico Imalieva's team, and uh, it's when your boy was dealing with the flu. So I couldn't go out on the uh, on the road that Friday, but I watched CJ Carr's game. No, maybe it was Dante Moore's game, and then the nightcap was Nico playing, and I didn't really know who the quarterback – or I hadn't put the two and two together. And then all of a sudden, Aiden Childs is breaking down the sidelines for like a 70-yard touchdown run. I'm like, oh, okay, like who's this guy? Uh, he's fun. He is fun, and he's playing for a very well-respected quarterback developer as well who also played the position at Oregon State. So, I mean, we talk about fit all the time. I think he's in a great situation. I I, I think we're going to see him this year. I don't know when, but I do. You know, I, 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 think he's, I think he's special. And listen, if he puts it together, I, I, I don't know if he's going to like I hate he's 17 we're getting way ahead of ourselves but to me he's got top 32 clay like I, I would not be shocked you know what I'm saying like I, I almost felt like we were so surprised by him and that and and because of I don't want to say the lack of information but almost like the limited exposure there was only so high we could go that was kind of my feel when it came to him but Love some Aiden Childs. All right, name to know there. SEC, Alabama. All eyes on Jalen Milrow. All eyes on Ty Simpson, former five-star quarterback as well. Andrew, I, I would say at best, mixed bag. I still have to work through this game. Jalen Milrow, 19 of 37, 246 yards, 
two TDs spring game, right? So take this with a grain of salt, but he was also sacked seven times, still ran for 20 yards and a touchdown. Ty Simpson, 12 of 26, 155 yards. And INT, he had 58 yards running. Drew, let's start with the quarterbacks. I don't know if you've worked through that game yet, but if you're an Alabama fan right now, I mean, you've been spoiled, right? The last couple of years, Bryce Young, first time in some time that you walk into a quarterback situation where, hey, we don't know who the guy is yet. And even if we do know who the guy is yet, how, how comfortable do we really feel about Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson bringing us to the promised land? Well, here's my question to you. Does like all the Tyler Van Dyke smoke make sense now? I said after the season, I thought for sure they were they were going to go get an arm. I thought they should have been buyers in that first transfer portal window. To yeah. me, if 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 you're Alabama, it's almost like the bat signal. Hey, we need a quarterback. Just put it out there, right, and and see what comes back. I get it. You get a new coordinator. It's a little bit later in the process. Tyler Van Dyke smoke, which we have not talked about on this show. I think it makes sense. I think Alabama needs a plug and play guy, and I don't think that guy's on the market. So now they got to go forward with one of the two. Well, I think Saban is going to cater to his personnel, right? So if Milrow's the guy, they're going to run the football, right? We we saw some of that in the season, um, but kind of circling to that. Tyler Van Dyke thing. Someone sent me an article that I, I somehow I missed this and it was, it was back in February. The athletic did it. Uh, and it was very, very eye opening. It was about the top 50 quarterbacks the past five years. So going back to 2017, um, and it was kind of a study of what happened with each one of them. And it said that close to 70% of those quarterbacks. So again, past five years, any quarterback ranked in the top 50, that signed with an FBS school had transferred. Um, and, and kind of the point of the story was your these schools are always looking to upgrade at quarterback, and these quarterbacks are always looking for the next opportunity, right? You're, you show up on campus, you think you're going to be the guy. As soon as you realize you're not the guy, then you go to another school. Um, and I just kind of applied that to my thought with – you know, them getting linked to Tyler Van Dyke and and Tyler Van Dyke has announced he's staying at Miami. That's a big deal for, for Mario Cristobal. Um, but I, you know, I, I think if, if anyone's going to look to, to upgrade or, 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 or get, get better at the position, it's going to be Alabama. Um, so not surprising there. I thought the story kind of of the spring game was Justice Haynes, man, running back guy. Shock, shocker. Yeah, where did he finish for us in the in the twenty twenty three rankings? Outside of the top thirty two, he's close though, right? Running back one for your boy, but it's neither here nor there. I'm not doing that. I'm not taking. We we had um, honestly, I love the I love the way we racked and stacked those guys. Cedric Baxter Jr. We already talked about, right? Ruben Owens had a productive spring game as well. I would say this, when it comes to Justice Haynes and, and Caleb Downs on the defensive side of the ball, we said this in San Antonio, both were there. They are pros. The way they handle their business in every aspect on and off the football field, they're ready to go. 
So I'm not surprised by Justice Haynes, not only from a, a physical toolkit and instincts, vision, feel. We talked about his three-down capability as well. That was on display. Had a couple cat four catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown. He's ready to go. I, and you talk about fit, like I think Alabama's going to lean on him early. Yeah. He was a guy on the freaks list. He's got he's got videos of him uh he's a dude standing like on uh what are those like medicine balls that like kind of you know half med like I don't know he does insane balance drills and contact balance is there. Uh he also ran for two touchdowns. So was that three total touchdowns for Justice Haynes? A little bit of everything. Do you have a you have a comp for him? I don't. Not off the top of my head. It's probably written somewhere. Me neither. I'm trying to think, and and I don't know if there's a guy right now that he reminds me of, or is there a guy that in the past he's such a decisive runner too. That's what I love about his game. He's he's a fun watch. All right, let's head out to the soon to be. What do we even call it? SEC West, Oklahoma, Brent Venables and the boys, Jackson Arnold. <laughs> hey Arnold, five of 13, 63 yards and a touchdown. And he had a 53 yard run called back. I believe they called him down after further review. Two hand touch. Two hand touch. Had a had a couple passes batted down as well. You sacked three times in the second corner, second quarter. Drew, let me uh let me get a takeoff here. You watch Jackson Arnold, you watch Arch Manning, because I know Texas and Oklahoma fans love to to talk about these two and, and compare them. We're talking about the national Gatorade player of the year in Jackson Arnold, five-star ranked within top 12. What did he finish for us? I think 11th. 11th. Dante Moore and Jackson Arnold, I maintained throughout the course of the evaluation process that those were the two most day one ready of the, uh, of the collegiate prospects. And, and Jackson Arnold to me, he didn't look like a freshman out there. I mean, the way he processes the game, he plays the game. The game doesn't play him. He He's a proactive player. He's going to be ready sooner than later. I, I don't think he needs a lot of needs a lot of time. The, the arm pops. He's decisive. The other thing, like we knew it statistically and from a production standpoint, the, the legs are going to be a lot bigger part of his game than I than I think I thought um he's a complete player man I love him I think they got I think they got a program changer in him I, I like kind of the situation right Dylan Gabriel's their guy but it sounds like he's already Jackson is already QB2 you know which isn't surprising but you know learn for a year and then step in and and Jackson Arnold go back to the Under Armour All America game. I had to hand out awards after that. I said he was the best player all week in practice. And Coop in, in that Under Armour game, I think he led his team. He had a game high rushing yards, you know, which is hard to do for a quarterback in any any type of these settings. So, you know, you think about him when uh, the non contact stuff comes off. Like that is going to be kind of his his X factor the legs and to bring in arch manning i know nobody asked about this but 
Jackson Arnold played the last two years at Denton Geyer against elite level competition. So, like, when you talk about the speed of the game, to me, that's where it comes in. He's had a lot of live bullets. I, it, it didn't look, it's a spring game. It didn't look too big for him. For Arch Manning, you turn on the tape and you're like, okay, it's his first time seeing this. It's his first time going through this. Arch Manning next year, not going to be the same one that you got as a freshman. Jackson Arnold right now in terms of the developmental curve, further ahead, which I don't think that's a shock or a surprise to anybody. I think that's what we expected when it came to Jackson Arnold, guys like Dante Moore as well. Peyton Bowen also had a pick in the in the spring game and a few tackles. So a lot of we, a lot of good reviews out of him lately, huh? Yeah, but we always talk about, you know, they got to get better on defense, they being Oklahoma. And uh maybe maybe we're going to see some more returns on that on that uh defensive hall they had in in 2023 20, a lot sooner than we thought. I like the way they're recruiting. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. All right, Drew, uh, recruiting, we'll get through it quick. We're approaching an hour here. Jaden Hardy, number 12 safety in the country. Speaking of Oklahoma, he pops to the Sooners out of Louisville. I like this kid, man. Like, you, you know, we talk about – who did we talk about uh, in the last week or two? Creed Whitmore with that football player label, right? You get – I don't want to say Creed Whitmore vibes, but – you get the feel like, all right, just get this guy on the field and you figure it out. But a heady guy can play corner, played receiver, gets it done on special teams as well. Fits what they want to do. I think position versatile guy that you can pretty much play anywhere in the secondary. I agree. And someone I've seen a bunch on the seven-on-seven circuit, he plays for, I guess, the Miami Raw organization, but none of the kids are actually from Miami. Um, but they they kind of – and I know it's seven-on-seven, seven, but I, I do think this is notable. Like – they play him essentially as like the Mike linebacker in their seven on seven defense. And he just is kind of all over the field making plays. And I, you know, I go back to when we just audited the 2023, um, uh, or excuse me, the 2024 defensive backs and it just kind of my raw reactions, the notes I, I, I write down. So it's funny, exactly what you just said. I said, playmaker with great change of direction, slot box type but i could see him you know having to hang on the outside if you needed to like he can play four or five spots in there and um he was one of the my favorite guys i watched he has a 409 in the short shuttle on on uh on on record and i think that shows up in the tape right he he can cover ground he can get east west north south whatever you need him to do so i think it's a a really really big pickup for the Sooners um, and just in terms of, again, improving that defense. And, you know, I think if you're someone in Norman, now you're picturing putting him and Peyton Bowen together. And then, you know, we could talk about what they got going on up front on that defensive line um, after they signed PJ Adebore last cycle, but certainly a, a big commitment over the weekend. I mean, you got Peyton Bowen, you got Jacoby Johnson, you got Macari Vickers, right? I mean, they got some talent on that back end coming into Norman. Drew, you mentioned it with that short shuttle, and people are like, okay, what, what is a sub 4-1? Okay, what is that number from a contextual standpoint? But when you have such a heady and instinctive football player on that back end, especially he's going to play the deep third, the combination of instincts 
and intuition with the ability to change direction is so important and obviously closing speed as well. So a guy like Jaden Hardy, that's not just something you're going to throw in there and say, okay, he runs a, you know, he's got a sub four, one shuttle. No, that's important because if you have a guy that can process and that plays with feel, typically what that's going to indicate is that they're going to be in the right position to make a lot of football plays. Right. So good context there on the, on the short shuttle. Um, I'm just saying like, we throw out numbers all the time, right? Sometimes those numbers don't match up with your eyes, but then it's like, okay, the number matches up with what we see. Correct. Correct. All right, the big bear. The big bear. A lot of rumors uh, swirling about the big bear. Big bear Alexander, former top 120 recruit, according to 24-7 Sports, the number 12 transfer. If you haven't been familiar with him, a little bit of a surprise when he entered the transfer portal from Georgia. Drew, he's going to be playing his football for Lincoln Riley in the Trojans. Trojans now up to the number two transfer class. Andrew, we always talk about the emphasis at the point of attack out in Los Angeles, out on the West Coast for USC to take that next proverbial step. To me, my friend from the Mandalorian, this is the way. Like This is, <laughs> this is how you have to do it. Yeah, and they're getting an SEC player, right? you know, uh, on defense, they have to get better on defense. It's kind of the same thing with Oklahoma and Coop. I don't know what conversations you've had or what you've heard from people in and around Athens, but I think um, Bear was certainly a, a prospect that, you know, wasn't pushed out in, in Georgia. Um, I think he would have had a role for the Bulldogs. So this is a, a huge addition for USC. And I said this on the 24 seven sports um, football recruiting show yesterday, you know, I think to an outsider, right. This guy's leaving Georgia. You're like, all right, you know, he, he's leaving Georgia. Um, he wasn't playing there, you know, how good could he be? And, and my counter to that is let's look at some of these other defensive transfers that have left Georgia in recent years. Jermaine Johnson goes to Florida state, becomes a first round draft pick Tyreek Stevenson. He goes to Miami. Um, I think he could be a day two, early day three selection this upcoming weekend. Uh, and then Brenton Cox, he was at Florida. He had a huge impact before he uh, was dismissed. Um, so what I'm saying is like, if you get a transfer from Georgia, don't think that this is, you know, used goods or or not what it's it could be. Like, I think, you know, normally those guys have kind of hit once they leave Georgia. Do you think Barry Alexander looked at those aforementioned players you just listed and said, you know what, maybe maybe there's a better way for me to, to accelerate my path to the NFL? I don't know. I mean, it's hard I think, not I think, to, right? I, I think NIL probably played a factor, you know. Could be. I mean, you never you never know nowadays. Uh, nonetheless, big gift for Lincoln Riley and the Trojans, and Alex Grinch will take it and needs all the help he can get there on the defensive side of the ball. All right, Drew, back to Nebraska on the recruiting trail. Matt Rule, Willis McGahee, junior, 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 junior. Number 24 linebacker in the country. He commits to the Cornhuskers. Also tied in Ian Flint, number 24 tied in out of the state of Texas. Drew? Some one-liners for the boys on Nebraska's <laughs> recent pickups. Heavy Nebraska episode today, right? Uh, Willis McGahee, guy we've been on uh, much higher than others throughout this cycle. 
um, at the back end of our top two, four, seven right now, Coop. I don't know if you watched him. Initially, we had him graded out as an edge, moved him over to linebacker. Uh, but this is a guy with burst, right? Obviously, he's got exceptional bloodlines, given who his father is, playing 10 years in the NFL, made two Pro Bowls. Uh, obviously, had a decorated career at the University of Miami. Um, but a guy I've had a ton of exposure to. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, man, he was a introduced him to me at one of FIU summer camps and they're like, Hey, this is, this is a rising 10th grader. He just ran a four, six. Well, since then he's gone four, six again on the lasers. Um, and he's got some really good track times for a guy that's 225 pounds. So we touched on it with Cameron Linhart, uh, earlier in the episode, like he's a tweener. What exactly is he? I, I don't know. Uh, but he's got elite burst, and it's not surprising to me that Nebraska is adding a guy like that on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think Matt Rule and them overthink it, right? They're going to go get the guys with the traits. Uh, so I like that pickup. Not as familiar with Ian Flint, but our number 24 tight end. Um, Nebraska just continues to find talent. Um, and, and to me, I like to see them down in South Florida getting involved there, getting active. 100%. It still blows my mind a little off topic here that Willis McGahee, even after that gruesome knee injury that he suffered in the national championship, played 10 years in the NFL. First round draft pick, right? Buffalo yeah. Bills? Yeah. Drew Rosenhaus, baby. Ian Flint, tight end. Drew, he just looks like <laughs> that guy was born to play in Nebraska. Like Big 10, traditional wide tight end. Don't know how much pass catching upside he's going to give you, but He's going to be a key cog in the machine in terms of the run game and kind of setting an identity there in the trenches. Nick Eason, Oyster Boy. When's the last time we said the Oyster Boys? You went uh, an hour into the episode. I haven't even said it in a week. We're losing our identity, but Nick Eason, an Oyster Boys favorite defensive line coach of the Clemson Tigers, getting on the board, Heaven Brown Schuler out of Georgia, the number 23 defensive lineman in the country, Drew. Somehow, some way, you hosted this commitment <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> what do you like about what the Tigers are getting here? I think he fits in well. So, Heaven Brown Schuler um, from Atlanta, and it, it was actually I had fun announcing or hosting this announcement because I went back to the FBU freshman All American game two years ago, and I wrote down Heaven Brown Schuler best defensive lineman in attendance, and then look fast forward a few years, he's committing to Clemson. Um, I just think he pairs well with what Clemson brought in in the 2023 cycle, right? I, I view Heaven kind of as a wide frame space, space eater that's going to battle for gaps on the inside. Might not be the most twitched up individual, but he's flexible. He can find some leverage. Uh, and you pair him again with what they took last year. Peter Woods, the spark plug. To Marion Parker, kind of your big um guy with length and 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 uh stephylin green and i just think it makes sense for them uh and nick eason and it, it's it's a notable pickup and and i think heaven fits again clemson's identity in terms of like off the field um he's a guy that had visited clemson i think three times for games last season had been there for a junior day i made sure to bring up on the broadcast he has taken like 30 unofficial visits in the past two years. I said, that's a record. I've never seen a kid that's taken that many visits. So um, nice addition for Clemson. And again, I just like how that defensive line room is coming together. Yeah, they got to go in there. Another guy 
you didn't mention, which uh, I don't blame you. They took so many defensive linemen last year, five-star defensive lineman Vic Burley, right? He's a little bit different. He's going to be a big presence on the interior as well. Can, can I, I got a quick little funny Vic Burley thing. I was going through 24s in, in Georgia and watching this guy uh, who ended up in our top two, four, seven, can't even remember his name. And, you know, you're going through, you're going through the tape and I'm like, who the hell is this guy that he's playing next to? I'm like, who is this guy? Oh, it's Vic Burley. I'm like, all right. Always feels good when that's the case, right? Hey, is that the guy that we had ranked as the <laughs> number 30th player in the country last year? That does feel good. I like that. Sometimes you need a little bit of validation, right, when you're watching the tape. All right, Drew, let's, one more. Let's get out of here. LSU, big in-state commitment. Safety to Sean McBride, number 15. Safety in the country. He'll stay home. He's playing his ball for Brian Kelly. I'll tell you what, Drew, we hadn't talked much about LSU, but I know they got some things working on the on the recruiting trail right now. We talked a little bit about Jawan Johnson earlier, right? His decommitment from Colorado out of Lafayette Christian to Sean McBride, a top 247 safety in the 2024 class. But, Andrew, you watch LSU a year removed from Brian Kelly's first year. They completely different feel to that team heading into 2023. Yeah, and uh, are did you have you are you familiar with McBride or no? I am, I am. Yeah. To me, he, he there there's some Kylan Jackson vibes. Okay, okay. He's uh he's one got to give it to to Gabe Brooks. He kind of alerted us and and uh said, hey, probably probably top two four seven guy, and, and we got him in on the last update. And Coop, I, I safeties was the position I had to go heavy on and uh McBride I, I I cannot find a safety that had more interceptions than him as a junior and you know what does that stat really mean but he picked off nine passes um and you look at the athletic profile man it is uh it's up there right um third in the long jump at the indoor championships in, in Louisiana in February 1109 uh record in in the 100 meter dash I think he's a guy. You said Kylan Jackson. Like I think he can just with like with Jaden Hardy can probably play multiple spots in there, right? Um, but he's he's comfortable in the box. He's not afraid to hit people. We list him at 200 pounds. I don't know how accurate that is, but I'm a big fan of him. And, and guess who's the primary on him? Joe Sloan, the Sloan Ranger, huh? Friend of the show, getting after it, man. Joe Sloan. What a hey. Great time to plug the show, I guess. Uh, uh, but our first week, Drew, in a, in a while, I guess we can call it a bye week, that we will not have a guest. I'm kind of looking forward to it, honestly. Just nice little week for the boys, right? Uh, and we will get back on the, the guest trail next week. Uh, but a lot of guests lately, defense coordinator Blake Baker, who also worked uh, with Joe Sloan at Louisiana Tech. Blake Baker, now at Missouri, friend of the show. He was on last week. Before that, Joe Sloan, quarterbacks coach at LSU. Before that, a whole list of other guys. Gus Malzahn, Chris Peterson, Mario Cristobal, Lance Zerline, Bruce Feldman, Willie Fritz. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it feels pretty cool to say all those names, huh? It does. Just getting started. Just getting started. That's right. Hey, and if you like the show, do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the show, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. What really helps us? is if you rate the show, also leave a review. If you have a question, that's the best place and, until Drew and I get a 
Hotmail account or something like that. That's the best place to ask a question right there. Leave a review. But guys, we appreciate you, Drew. Any any final words before we get out of here? You don't like the Hotmail idea? <laughs> it's all the still, reaction. Is that still a thing? I don't know. Probably I like I like the idea. I just didn't know if we would go Hotmail. Um, no, look, NFL draft coming up. I think we're going to get into a, a little little draft talk, right? At some point, either Wednesday or Thursday. I'm I'm excited about it. I think the following week, we should really kind of take a look at the first round and go back and say, look at the recruitments of a lot of these guys. I think the industry is, this is just a vague take. I have no stats to back it up, but I do think the industry is improving year in and year out in terms of getting these guys uh, a little bit more figured out earlier in the process. So we, we'll, we'll see how that plays. I'm sure there'll be a handful of guys that were unranked or something like that that will pop up in the first round, of course, as they do every year. For sure, for sure. Well, I'm fired up for it. NFL draft, baby. Let's go. All right, guys, hope you had a great start to your week. Andrew and I and Lance Glenn, our producer, as always, will be back tomorrow for the Oyster Boys and for Lance Glenn. See you tomorrow.